I'm AC Brown, and you're listening to Is My Aura On Straight, a podcast designed to help you start living from your core instead of your conditioning. Each week, we'll have deep conversations that will help you create a powerful transformation that shifts your perspective in life, love, and business with topics ranging from spiritual self-development, human design, astrology, metaphysics, and everything in between. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Is My Aura On Straight? I am your host, AC Brown. I am your psychic channel, voice of truth, spiritual guide, and teacher, and I want to thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Is My Aura On Straight? First and foremost, the reason probably why I'm a little kaflempt right now is because I was just crying before we started. And it is an emotional thing that we all deal with, but I have a special guest with me today, Brianna Firestone. And I always wanted to know, are you related to anybody in the Firestone family? I am not. Oh, I have no tire fortune. <laughs> <laughs> but they own tires and they own wineries. I believe so. So no. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's okay. Well, I want to welcome you to Is My Aura On Straight. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Good. Well, how we got here. Let's talk about that. I know many of you have seen me post about my Heal the Wound program and me talk about being a certified transformational money healer and how I got to that path was because of Brie. And I wanted to have her on the podcast for several reasons. Now, I know the climate that we are in is scary right now. However, it's so interesting. My spirit always knows what's best for me when it knows what's best for me. And me listening to my intuition led me to the program and to get certified, not even to use it, but because I wanted to learn more about money because I felt like in my healing process and in my healing journey, I was finally at a place to really deal with a lot of my financial trauma and to deal with some of the things that I had been avoiding financially over the years and not due to not wanting to deal with them, but because I literally didn't have the education to know how. And then Brie and I started working together. Actually, she came to me with things and I did sessions for her and things. And I was just like, hmm, this is interesting. And then here we are. So... Let's jump right in and talk about that because I think the misconception around money is that why people don't do anything about it or acknowledge it is because they just don't know. What do you see, especially now in this times that we are going through right now, what do you see and how can people prepare? Because I know that's a big thing that you've been getting questions about. Yeah. And, you know, money is this interesting thing. It's super taboo to talk about it, yet it is in our lives every day for the rest of our lives for everyone. Like we can't avoid it. And it is a requirement, just like our time and energy. Those are the other two resources for survival. We need it. How much you need is, you know, that's relative and, you know, up to you and your life. But the thing is, is, you know, we need this thing, yet most of us are not taught how to manage it. We aren't taught the energetics behind it. We're not taught the emotions behind it. 
And you mentioned, you know, most individuals are in avoidance. And part of that is because we grow up thinking money is bad. Mm. Money causes stress. Money is hard. People who have money are not nice people. Almost for most individuals, when we think about words we use around money, emotions we have around money, they're not positive. And if we go to the neuroscience, our brains will move us towards pleasure and away from pain. And if we associate money as being bad, we will not want to interact with it. And, you know, you add that onto, you know, inflation and potential recession, and you have a beautiful recipe for a freak out, for everyone to freak out. And we also have to realize that economics was, economics was built on a scarcity mindset. It's built on the fact that the collective, the majority of individuals are going to be thinking about money in the same way. And that is that there's not enough. We give money so much power. We give money so much emotional power. Yes, money can give you access to things. I'm not discrediting that by any means. But when it comes to inflation and some of these things happening, the reality is we just have to accept that it's happening because it's happening. What we end up doing is worrying about it and it just makes us feel awful and it impacts how we interact with our money instead of being like, well, this is the price of gas now. I've always figured it out up until this point. How am I going to figure it out, right? And again, that still feels scary and it totally depends on your situation, your circumstances, but... I think what's really important for individuals to understand is that they have the power and the choice to have an easier, flowy relationship with money that doesn't have to be hard and it doesn't have to be this scary thing. Right. Thank you for saying that. And we've had conversations about this behind the scenes, especially for black and brown individuals. We are operating within a system that is against us. So also making peace with that and still trying to change the money mindset. Because at the end of the day, you know, it's effed up how my life is vastly different from yours financially, not because of whether you make $10,000 or more money because the system is against me just for being who I am. And so I think that it's also good for us to talk about how to do that with those disparities. Like, you know, I'm Black. How do Black and Brown people also operate in this kind of way? What we have to call out, I'm a cisgendered white female. My experience is very different from you as a Black woman. And I can't guide an individual of color, a black and brown human through some of this transformation because I cannot relate to what it feels like to be in those structures that are oppressive. And you and I talked about this in the very beginning when I was talking about this program and creating it, you're like, this needs to happen for my community. And I think that's super powerful because I think you're standing in a space too where, yes, there's money trauma, there are generational wounds, and at the same time, you are an example of standing in a space of being able to heal that, number one. And number two, 
being in a positive mindset around it, not a Pollyanna space, not a toxic positivity space, but like, yes, these things are real. We continue to challenge and push back so that we can change them. And at the same time, you can build your relationship with money in a positive way that feels good, that will start to influence how you interact with money. And that's why I wanted to learn from you is because you knew that and you also had this huge piece of neuroscience behind what you do. And I didn't see a lot of that. So can we talk about, yes, there's a big, huge difference. I'm dealing with the system. Some people, black and brown, all of that, we're dealing with something very different. But the brain science behind money was something that I really didn't see. And you were really focused on that. And let's talk a little bit about that and why that makes what you do different. You know, when you're learning about money, it's either a bunch of white men telling you how to operate around money, or it's a lot of just mindset stuff that is not, you're not actually learning any of the science behind it or the actions behind it. The reason why I wanted to create a program around this, so Fierce Finances, that's the program I guide students through, and then why I wanted to go deeper and I created the Transformational Money Healer Certification is because I want to impact millions of women, and I'm only one person. So I want individuals to be armed with the data behind it. And I know you also love science and data. And the reality is, you know, as we're growing up, this is one of the biggest pieces that I can impart on individuals. We hold so much shame and guilt around our money situation and how we are showing up with our money, what our bank account looks like. And the unfortunate part is that impacts our self-worth. And it is heavy for a lot of individuals. And we take on this ownership like it was all our fault. And I want individuals to understand, this is one of the first lessons we learn, right? When we're going through the healer certification is your subconscious brain is developing. And by the time you are nine years old, that is locked in. It is solid. That operating system, you think of it like the operating system on your computer, it is running in the background and you don't even realize it's running. And so it happens in that space, you know, you're sponging it all up. And when you, when you hit the alpha stage, you're actually starting to learn how to have critical thinking. And then by the time you're nine, you have emotions and beliefs and thoughts about money. Because you were absorbing how the individuals in your environment were interacting with money, how they talked about it, how they presented, what were the emotions? Was it payday and you went shopping? Was it feast or famine? Did you have a lot of money? Did you not have a lot of money? All of these things are impacting how you approach your money, your beliefs around money as an adult. And what most individuals do not realize is that you actually get to push back on those beliefs and decide if you believe it. And so unpacking that money story, just like stream of consciousness, writing it down, I know that was powerful for me when I started to do that. What, what are the words I remember about money? What phrases do I use? How does money make me feel? Like, what do I do on payday? Like, if you start to see your habits and your behaviors and your emotions around money, we have the awareness of it, then we get to leverage neuroscience to our advantage. We get to leverage neuroplasticity and we get to rewire new neural pathways to have a different experience with our money. 
I love that. So tell me, how did you rewire yourself? How did this path of the school of Betty and that, and that's another like commonality. My grandmother's name is Betty and so is yours. And then my dog, who my baby is, you know, um, how did this start for you? I know your story, but tell everyone how did, how did you get into it? Because I think that when you see financial coaches and things like that, they have like this story that was like an aha moment for them. And what was that for you? It was a couple of things. So I got my first credit card when I was 18. And, you know, this is one of the first myths we try to debunk too in, in my coursework is, you know, credit cards are not bad, but we are taught, that's the only thing I was taught. Credit cards are bad. Don't put things on credit cards. But, you know, it wasn't backed up by actual tools that I could use. It's like, just don't do this, right? So you know what we do and we're told not to do it. We do it. You know, I went to college and then I moved to New York City when I was 21. And by the time I was 23, I had racked up $30,000 of credit card debt. And I had $20,000 in student loans, which by today's standard is not a lot. So here I am at 23, I'm $50,000 in debt, and I barely make $30,000 a year. And I live in one of the most expensive cities. And I remember growing up seeing family members struggle with money. And I always told myself, that's not going to be me. And here I am sitting at 23, and that was me. And I had this moment where I thought, oh my gosh, I kept telling myself that I wasn't going to be this yet. The only environment I was in, the only lessons I was ever taught was how to be this, was how to not be responsible with my money. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to pay this off. I'm a generator. I'm not afraid of hard work. I'm just going to use my grit. I'm an Aries Leo rising. I'm like, let's do this. I, I will prove everyone wrong and I will do it. And I created a spreadsheet and I paid off that credit card debt in less than three years. And, you know, I started to live within a budget and I used credit cards, but I paid them off. So it wasn't like I was racking up debt. Fast forward and, you know, I'm making more money. I had gotten married at the time. I was living in Denver. And all of a sudden we had to make a pretty big financial decision. I wasn't working at the time. And my husband at the time lost his job. And I remember that day I looked at my bank account and there's $247. I looked at that before he came home and said he had been laid off. I was like, oh, this is, this is not a good situation. Because what I was doing was I wasn't putting stuff on credit cards. Yeah, I just made more money and I spent more money. Ooh, that's a habit a lot of us get into. So I was like, I have to do something drastic. And I gave up shopping for an entire year because I was fully aware. I was fully aware that I was dropping it at Ross and DSW, my two favorite stores, you know. <laughs> Not Ross and DSW. Every weekend when I wasn't even working, like who was I dressing for? Like, this is insane. And I just kept thinking, well, I'm not in debt, so it's okay. But I wasn't actually using my money in a way that was working for me. I wasn't taking advantage of the income that was coming in so that I was setting myself up for the future. So I gave up shopping for a year and everyone around me was like, there is no way she's going to be able to do this. And of course, I'm stubborn. I'm like, oh, I'm doing it. I was like, I cannot buy anything I do not need. So I can't buy shoes, handbags. I can replace something. But for a year, I am not going to buy anything new. Oh my gosh, those first three months, first six months, it was so painful because all of a sudden I'd ripped this band aid off and I started to realize 
why do I have so much time on my hands? And I'm like, Jesus, do do I really shop that much? Like, oh my God, like, oh my gosh, like I'm bored. Like I have so much time on my hands. And I started to connect the dots. And I had this moment was like, oh yeah, I wasn't shopping because I really wanted that blouse. I was shopping because I was unhappy in my marriage. I was stressed out and working 60 hour weeks. I um, was trying to fill a happiness hole. I was shopping for all of these other reasons and giving up shopping for a year, which was my crutch. I had to face all of those things. And that's when I actually started to connect all of the dots around our emotions and our habits and our behaviors and how, you know, shopping and buying things is something that we do to help soothe ourselves or celebrate. And there's nothing wrong with that inherently, but a lot of us use that that's at a detriment to our, our financial health and a detriment to our just emotional well-being and our mental health because we're not actually doing the work we need to do. And so that was the year I was like, oh my gosh, no one is talking about this. And I started coaching any of my friends who would listen to me. Oh my budgets are band-aids. Everyone listen up. Like please, like please, no one's talking about the emotions behind your money. And eventually I created the school of Betty around that. Eventually that is something where I was like, I, this is important. And if you use this window of money, like money's the thing you want to pay attention to as in like pay off your debt and, you know, live within a good money flow or a budget, you will 100% change your life. And you can still eat crumble cookies. Yes. I mean, you've heard me say that. I'm like, you want to you wanna buy Prada shoes every month? Rock and roll. We're not here to judge how you want to use your resources, but we don't want to do it at the detriment of your financial health. Let's talk about financial health because, you know, a name that shall not be named <laughs> starts with a D, ends with an R. <laughs> There's this big thing about debt-free and making these hard sacrifices and everyone's on this path thinking that debt-free is the answer to every single like financial thing. Like, oh, I'm just going to get debt-free. Like everybody, that's a lot of people's goal. And from the work that we've done, the work that I do in healing the wound, if that doesn't align with your values, that doesn't make any sense. One of my values is luxury and status. I'm not going to be debt-free. <laughs> That's not realistic for me. That doesn't even align. You might. You can have those values and be debt-free. But I can be debt-free in certain areas. Yes. But not like I owe no one nothing. And now I'm like, oh, I'm afraid to do something. So when we talk about these financial goals or this financial philosophy that you see because you said that, you know, um, you figured out the emotion that budgets are band-aids. How do you then tell someone to get on this money path when that's the only goal that's being portrayed? Like, oh, it's to, it's to be debt-free. Yeah. Mm. He who shall not be named. Well, we have to unwire a lot from that. I mean, there are so many myths that we have around money that is a first step that I have to teach individuals. 
because being debt-free is one of the things that everyone comes to the table with. And so they feel really crappy about their lives because they're not debt-free. And it's like, well, is that what you want? Is that serving you? It's like your mortgage isn't debt-free. And, and the reality is, you know, we only have this moment. This morning is already gone. You are not guaranteed tomorrow. And so, yes, we might have seasons of sacrifice, but I think it's important for individuals to like still enjoy their lives. This is the ride you're on. This is where you are in the moment. And so many individuals don't actually sit and think about the values for their life or the vision that they want. They take what is, what has happened, and that is what is going to be. And what is so powerful about creating values for your life is just like you said, you're like, I love luxury and status. Someone else is like, I love travel. Another person is like, I value having a home that I love and cooking at home. Those are values. All of those values require that you use your resources differently. And so these cookie cutter approaches don't work. What happens is you might get to the end of the road. You might get to being debt-free and be like, I'm still not happy. Like, now what? Now what? Like, I love traveling. I was like, I'm traveling now. Like, why wait? So it's so, we love to have judgment around how other people spend their money. And the reality is money is a value system. What is valuable to me for $100 is maybe not valuable to you. Correct. And so when we grasp that, when we understand that, we get to remove any judgment we have for any other individual spending their money. And we don't actually care what other people think about how we spend our money. If you are spending in alignment with your values, it removes judgment, stress, guilt you have. The goal is to not feel guilty every time you go spend money. The goal is to not say, cut the credit cards up and don't use credit. Credit's bad. I'm like, you can't buy a snack on an airplane without a piece of plastic. Right. Or put it in the freezer. Remember that? Put your credit cards in the freezer. Yes. And the reality is what that does is just perpetuate this idea that credit cards are bad. When credit cards can be really awesome if you can leverage them, if you know how to use them. So when we just cut it up and avoid it, you didn't fix any of the underlying wounds or the behaviors. From what I learned through the certification and just my own healing, it makes things worse. Makes it totally worse because then you end up being on this yo-yo where you like pay off the debt and then all of a sudden you find yourself back in the cycle. And people are like, well, I paid it off. How come, I, how come I'm back here? It's like, well, did you rewire any of your habits? Did you open the hood? Right. Did you worry about your nervous system? All of these things that is not talked about. And then you get yourself back into the same cycle. I've seen people pay off debt over and over again. And then they rack up the same amount of debt a few years later. And it's just like, you have to like get to the root of this. This episode is sponsored by the School of Betty. The School of Betty is a platform that empowers women plus through transformational money healing to create better relationships with their money, time, and energy so they can lessen stress, build financial freedom, and design a badass life they love. When you talk about your nervous system and being in your body, 
we will start doing things. The minute we become present and mindful, it's a game changer. But even when we have that mindfulness, sometimes we will feel ourselves moving into an action. You're like, why am I doing this? Or why am I blocking this money? What am I afraid of? And your body has not caught up with your new way of thinking. Nope. Because I box for you all the time. You're like, I'm freaking out. (laughs) What's happening? And you're like, okay, why don't we reframe this? And I'm like, no, this is happening. And then, you know, but, but it's the trauma. It's the financial trauma. It's all of that stuff coming into play. And it hits you at the oddest times when you think things are doing really well. And then it just comes in and it can be the smallest thing. And I'll just tell you all, I went downstairs and I was talking to the leasing people and I was asking them about rent increases. Don't ask me why my brain decided to go around and ask about a rent increase. My lease is not up until next year, May. (laughs) And so she's like, oh, yeah, it sometimes is anywhere between I've seen it anywhere between 3% and 12%. Right. I had a heart attack. I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do if they raise my rent 12%? And I literally had to calm myself down and reframe and say, well, what happens if you just have the money to pay extra? Right. And I was just like, oh, yeah. Like that wasn't on my mind at first. And we've talked about that, how many times when we think about financial crisis, trauma and things like that. The last thing to do is to think about earning more money. Why do you think people do that? Well, number one, we're addicted to the struggle, right? And and, you know that when you talk about that experience for you, you know, you were just in your habit of hypervigilance. Yeah. Future pacing, what could happen, right? That, That has served you well. Your brain is keeping you safe. It's doing its job. And at the same time, when we have had growth in a certain area, we have to actively rewire that because your brain is just naturally going to take you down the path that it's used to. And it's doing that because it's conserving energy. It's easy. So anytime you're moving into a space of change or thinking differently about money or even in your life, right? This is just in general or doing something different. It will feel like a struggle because your brain is doing everything it can to keep you where you are. Because it has no idea if this habit is serving you well or not. It's just a habit. It's just a pattern. And so sometimes people are like, this is too hard. I'm not supposed to be doing this. It's like, no, no, no. <laughs> we, have to, we have to keep going. We have to keep going down that direction. And, you know, part of it is our society teaches us that money is hard. You've got to work really hard because we judge individuals that have it. Oh, they had a trust fund. You immediately feel that just like, ugh, underneath that is like they didn't have to work for it. I would have loved a trust fund, right? Like, like we automatically have this thought of like, you have to work really hard for your money or you don't deserve it. Which as when entrepreneurs show up, that is real hard in the entrepreneur space because mm-hmm. you will overwork yourself. And not not feeling deserving of things when they are easy, right? And so I think that's the biggest thing is that we're addicted to struggle. We're not used to money being easy, right? And so for you being an ease, it's like, where could this get hard? Right. Let's, let's make up something. Let me create something to freak out about. <laughs> you will find what you're looking for. 
Oh, I found it. <laughs> I literally walked my ass to the office to ask about lease renewal. My lease is not up until 2023. In part of the whole, like, why do we not think about making more money? All the lessons we're getting, you know, from the individuals out there talking or, you know, talking about how to like cut your latte out and just not spending money. But the reality is you can make more money, you can spend less, or you can do both. Those are the options you have. So when we talk about that, let's talk about the, because I, I really want to touch on this, the dun, 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 the recession. And, you know, <laughs> this is not our first rodeo. Around. <laughs> it's not my first one. So, but for those who are affected, you know, the last recession, I was getting out of grad school. So, you know, it was like, oh, I'm going to have to take a job doing whatever. What do you think is the biggest? Because we can't ignore it. We can't say that it's, oh, it's not going to happen or whatever. However, how do we thrive in alignment financially? And still know that this is a thing that's going to be present for us. Yeah. Well, you've heard me say this, knowledge is power. And so much of our worry around money, i.e. this recession, is in the not knowing. We're not sure if it's going to happen. And when it comes to your personal finances, so much stress and worry happens when individuals don't actually know their money flow. They don't actually know what's coming in or what's going out. Yep. Know your numbers. You, you always say that. Know your numbers. Know your numbers. And and I know a lot of individuals, like, you know, there are there are students who come to me who are like paycheck to paycheck. They're like, oh, I know my numbers. And like that, that's not what I'm talking about. If anything, those individuals, we need to steer them a little bit away from not being so obsessed with the numbers, right? But a lot of individuals have no idea what expenses are required for their survival. What's that total money amount? Like, what's the dollar amount? Because what happens is we just tell our brains, oh my gosh, I'm not going to have enough money. And that just, your brain wants to find a solution. So it opens your brain up and it's like, we don't have enough money. And it is just spinning around in a storm of chaos. But if we actually know our numbers and we go through, you know, I'm a positive mindset person, but I'm, I also there is value in saying, okay, what is the worst case scenario and what would I do, right? Arm yourself with the knowledge and the information. Like it's a data point for you to say, okay, all of this is going up. My expenses are going up. Gallon of milk is going up. Gas is going up. This is impacting my money this way. This is how much it's costing me to live right now. This is how much money I have coming in, right? It's either going to be zero, negative, or a positive number at the end of the day. That number is important. Because even if it's like a negative $200 at the end of the month, for you to say, okay, I need to find $200, guess what your brain's going to try to do? It's going to try to find $200. Whereas if you're just like, I don't make enough money or I don't have enough, there, there's no way to, your brain is not focused efficiently. You're not harnessing that power in a way to actually sol solve the problem. Or as my grandmother would say, if you're going to worry, at least know why you're worrying. <laughs> yes. Like know the actual reason why you're worrying. Yes, for sure. Because it could be $50 and you're like, oh, okay. Or it could be like that $200 like feels scary, but you're like, I can work with this. 
I'll figure it out. I've, have I always figured it out up until this point? Yes, I have. Yeah. That's a, I think that you see me with that, (laughs) that side that I just had, like, and and this is coming from a, a black woman perspective in history. We have always figured it out. So sometimes when things happen like this, it's almost, well, it's, it's Tuesday. <laughs> you know what I mean? So sometimes the media perpetuates a lot of the fear, especially for marginalized people. We've already been through these cycles. This is our life of going through this. So it's almost like the media wants us to be afraid. And the reason why I wanted you to talk about that is because I think what the powerful thing is with knowing your numbers and the things that you teach in Fierce Finances, things I teach in Healing the Wound, it's a ha- having that empowerment. Like at least you know, like you said, is it negative 200 or is it negative 50? That's a huge thing to know instead of this arbitrary, I don't have enough money. What does that mean? That could mean maybe you need to call your gas company and see, hey, this is weird or whatever, whatever it is, like at least, you know, and I think that's really important. So based off of that, knowing your numbers, we know our numbers, right? And in these times, do you suggest, and this is probably going to be a hard question to answer, is because we're operating, we don't know what's going to happen. However, we also are coming off of 2020. Well, we didn't know it was going to happen. There were some people that, you know, lost jobs. There was a lot that happened. People died. And we all experienced such a big loss during that time. But how can we mentally and emotionally prepare for something that we truly don't know what's going to happen? Mm, it's such a good question. Well, number one, we don't have control over anything. Right? Oh, gosh, we love to think we do. Right? We love to future cast. But in the absence of that, we get to ask ourselves, what would make me feel safe and secure? We get to go to the the bottom of the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which is food, shelter, clothing, like safety and security. And so when we're heading into this space, when we start to get spun up and worried, we're worried about our safety and security, usually at the end of the day. And so we get to ask ourselves, what would make me feel safe? And it could be, you might be saying something like, I need $20,000 in the bank. And that may be unattainable for you or like kind of blow your brain a little bit, but it's telling you what you need in order to feel safe and secure. And that is, again, a very clear direction of where you can start to work towards. We go through that exercise where it's how do you celebrate at $0 to 500 or whatever scale you want? How do you make your soothe yourself, feel better at $0 to 500? So sometimes we have to replace the thing we've always done with something else in order to make sure that we feel safe and secure. It's not about not ever making sacrifices. There are going to be moments in our lives where we have to do that, but we have to understand why we're doing it. And for individuals going into a recession where it's like life or death. It's like, I kind of want to stay here a little bit longer. Right. Right. Like food, shelter, and clothing. Right. And so that's not to say that it will be easy. And that's not to say that everyone will experience that. But I think you bring up a good point of thinking back on the last couple of years, an incredibly challenging couple of years. 
that no one was prepared for. I mean, talk about just a challenging space for our emotional capacity, right? Like we could not avoid it. Just it just took away all of the the beautiful distractions we used to have. Oh yeah, all the therapists that I've talked to, or even who are clients, they're like, I'm busy. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm sure. <laughs> like you'll be busy for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Because of everything. And so yeah. one thing I guess that I can, and I would love you for you to speak on is that we know this is true, that recessions don't last. Correct. So with that in mind, because we don't know how long this is going to last, but we know that it doesn't last. Mm-hmm. How can someone with the, that, those basic needs, food, shelter, clothing, all of that, how can we, what's the word? How can we not go to the edge without feeling like we want to jump all the time? <laughs> with that because we don't I think the big I think what I'm trying to say is that because we know it's not going to last what are some ways that people who are listening to this can say to themselves okay I know this is not going to last what do I need to do to make sure that I am staying as sane as possible during however long this is yeah you know again going back to those moments of what are my values for my life? What's important for me to stay healthy? And if my financial circumstances shift and change, how do I continue to deliver on these values that look differently? You, you will have to actually sit and do the exercises, right? I mean, you, had a, you have a great exercise that I love, which was the sitting on $1,000. Yeah, that's probably my favorite because I I had to do that a lot. Like in the past, before I really started addressing my money stuff, I would get into situations where I needed money quick. And so everybody, I think, is sitting on the G of things in their house that you can sell. And I would, without fail, I would get the money I needed. And however, that was a cycle that I didn't like. And I mean, it stopped... 2017 um, of me doing that because I never forget. I, you know, I tell people in my healing the wound that I used to be a perpetual payer of rent late. And it wasn't because I didn't have the money. I just wasn't managing my money properly. And I also had a lot of fear, a lot of sabotage, all of that. I mean, it would be this. I mean, I remember one time I had all of my bills And I don't know what I did. I even went somewhere or something and I literally forgot. And I got a a late charge. And I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Like you have the money, pay your rent. But I also had big financial trauma around rent and evictions when my parents got divorced. My mom was, she didn't know how to manage money. She wasn't used to it. So that used to freak me out. And then I would put myself in those same situations. Yeah. And that was another reason why I did the certification is I wanted to learn for myself how to really handle this and attack it and know the reasons why I did things. And because 
I will say this before the certification, there was ups and downs and, you know, we all have ups and downs as entrepreneurs, but to really have a path and not only with the work that I do to have a skill now and to help people, especially like you said, you can't be everywhere. You can't help Mm -hmm. people that I can help Mm -hmm. to help women and men that look like me with this. That's why the certification was so powerful is because I just didn't want to learn about budgeting. I wanted to learn about why my brain does what it does when I'm worried about money. And so I feel even going into this new financial space that the world is going, I feel way more prepared. Like I have so much less anxiety because I know I'm going to be okay. I know what to do. I, you know, at the end of the day, if I really, I can sell feet pics. Like, <laughs> like this. You might be cooking in your little pot you just bought. What was? <laughs> I know, right? My little. <laughs> we know you don't like to cook, right? <laughs> right. My little pot. I have two pots now, right? I might be cooking in there, but I know where my money's going. You know your, where your money's going. So you just said something really powerful, and that was I have less anxiety around it. Biggest thing. And Biggest we, thing. We under we greatly underestimate the impact all of the anxiety and stress that money has in our lives. And the reality is navigating those waves because we're going to have the waves, just like you've said. It's not like we we heal the wound, and then every once in a while we'll have like I was just using this as an example. We got to weed out the the weeds first in the garden bed. We got to clean it out. It's the heavy lift in the very beginning. And then all of a sudden when a weed pops up, we can see it popping up and we get it pretty quickly. It just becomes easier. It gets easier to maintain. It gets more beautiful, right? It's like we're just making small tweaks. And if we can release that anxiety and that stress and we can learn how to ride the waves of uncertainty or when we get off track, that is a skill. It's a skill to know how to manage your emotions and regulate your body and your nervous system in those moments. And if you can do it, if you can learn how to do it and trust yourselves, you know, that's one of the biggest things we learn too as a healer is like learning how to trust your intuition and that you have the tools to take care of yourself and you are okay. It's a game changer. What I've noticed in working with people is that we underestimate our skills, talents, and resources so much. And it's just like, it's right there. Like granted, I don't, you know, if I had a skill of, you know, maybe it's, I don't know, maybe I make custom baby diapers or something. I might not want to do that anymore, but if I know I can bring in $500 and call some old clients and post in a Facebook group. Yeah. Why not? And I think what happens too is that we look at these changing times when we have to do these things as permanent. Yeah. It's temporary sometimes. And if like, you know, we just said, we know that it's going to be temporary. We will not be in a 10 year recession. That's never happened in the history of history because why capitalism can't afford that point blank period. (laughs) They cannot afford for us. It's not going to happen. So We know that it's going to be a certain amount of time based off of history, but knowing your things is going to make it a lot easier. It makes it so much easier. Yeah. And money, it can't bite. 
You know, that that's like we we feel so scared to interact with it. And, um, you know, that was uh, rightly so if you have trauma, like as you were discussing, you had trauma around evictions and paying rent. And naturally your brain's like, yeah, we're not, we're not doing this. Right. <laughs> like we're not going to do this. This is not what we do. Right. But it causes pain. And it can be difficult to break those cycles and to move through them, but you will never regret unpacking that. Oh, absolutely not. You will never regret unpacking your money story and understanding it and shifting into a space where you start to interact with your money like a relationship you care about. It will be the game changer. Yes. And when you start changing your self-concept, like literally I had to tell myself every morning, I pay my rent on time. Yes. And I've never been late on rent since 2017. <laughs> I literally had to say that every morning I pay my rent on time. And lo and behold, every single, I mean, and I went through layoffs. All I paid, my rent was paid on time. Yes. I was just like, oh, okay. This is interesting because I was in this cycle of, well, it's fine. You know, if I this, that, and, you know, I knew the system and I knew I wasn't going to get evicted and all, but I was just in that cycle and I had to literally retrain my brain. Yes. You know, when we say I am statements, our brain just like lights up. It's like, oh, like that's, that's important to me. Right. It's like saying, did you vote or are you a voter? Mm. Different. Big difference. Right. So those I am statements are really powerful. Just like, you know, we connect with that, like our self-identity connects with it. And so those are great neuro hacks that we get to use. We get to tell our brain how we want to feel and interact. You're not going to believe in the beginning. You didn't. You didn't believe in the beginning, but eventually your behavior will follow. Yep. And it works. Trust me. I've, I've never paid my rent late. Since 2017. You, you even know the year. Never. Know the month, everything. Yeah. Never. I even start I, I I even started, I think by the end of that year, I was even paying extra. And I still pay extra. I always pay, which is so interesting. I always pay like 150 to 200 dollars extra every month. So then like at the end of the like year, I'm like, oh, here's a little bank. I always Every ever since 2017, I would either pay like an extra 25 or extra 50, or sometimes I would pay my rent like two or three months early because I was just like, I'm never going to do this again. Yeah. Until you built the trust with yourself. Right. To like be in a spaciousness of like, oh, okay, I do, I pay this on time and I'm not going to miss it. Mm -hmm. right? This is why we also pay extra on all of the debts instead of like focusing on one debt and paying it off. Like we have these habits around things because we're trying to protect ourselves and they're essential for us to start to build our trust. And then we get to tweak those in a way that like works for us. Yep. This was a great conversation. So tell us how people can work with you. You know, I co-sign you because, you know, <laughs> you've not just with the certification, but just you talk me off of so many ledges financially. <laughs> it's not even funny. <laughs> it's just like, oh my God, it's like it never fails. And so tell everyone how they can work with you. Well, thank you. You've equally talked me off of a lot of entrepreneur ledges. So um, we are exchanging that for each other. <laughs> it's ledge talk. <laughs> yes. 
People can find me at the school of Betty, B-E-T-T-Y.com. And I spend a lot of my time on social channels on Instagram, and that's at the school of Betty as well. And, you know, working with me, I have Fierce Finances, which is my main program for individuals that want to really get money flows. And and we've talked about this, like go through Heal the Money Wound, then go into Fierce Finances. You'll get some of the healing in Fierce Finances, but you go pretty deep into that. Likewise, I have some students who go through Fierce Finances, like, okay, you need to go back through AC's program because there's some like deeper healing that we need to do. And then if, you know, I have the certification. So that next cohort starts July 11th and you can find information on that on my Instagram or website. And um, yeah, we need more healers in the world. We need more money healers. Yeah. Especially just for women, because it's so so interesting. I was listening to Robert O'Leary and he was saying how he never recommends women having joint checking accounts with their husbands or partners. He was like, you need that leverage. You can have a joint to pay the bills, but keep your money separate. Mm. And I was just like, woo. And I was like, you're right. He's like, you need that leverage. You need to have your own. And from a millionaire to say that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, women live on average seven years longer. They're often out of the workforce um, 11 years caretaking. Mm. Whereas, you know, men are often out 19 months, big difference. Often in those years, they're not contributing to retirement. We're not making a dollar like men. Right. And that's not, I mean, that's not even equal within women, right? We know there's disparity in the, the how much an individual makes on the dollar based on, you know, are you a person of color? And so we have so many other hits against us that are stacked up there that just requires that we handle our money differently. We are no longer in the age, and this is this is heteronormative when I say this, but we're no longer in the age where um, women stay home and caretake and the man takes care of everything. Right. Or you need a man to have a checking account. <laughs> you had to have a co-signer in the early 80s. Like the, that is not That's very crazy. long. Y'all. It's not very long that it's like you could actually go out as a woman and get your own bank account. And then we can, gosh, we could go even into that of just communities that are underbanked where individuals can't get a bank, like can't get a checking account. There's so many layers to it. And which is why it's just so important that I feel like we reframe and talk about it from a different lens because um, there is a lot of generational trauma around money. It is. And that's why I'm so thankful for doing the certification, for creating Healing the Wound because it's so needed to just have the awareness. Yeah. Well, thank you for being here. I'm going to put all of Bree's stuff in there and find us on the interwebs. So until next time, have a great day filled with great vibes and good energy. And I'll talk to you guys soon. Once again, thank you to our sponsor, The School of Betty. Check them out at theschoolofbetty.com. Thank you for listening to another episode of Is My Aura on Street? This podcast was edited by Adam Ross. If you loved this episode, please make sure you subscribe and leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. 
Also, make sure you're following me on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Until next time, bye-bye.